Welcome to the Bell Podcast. My name is Marcy Timmerman. I'm the Executive Director of Mental Health America of Kentucky and your host for today's presentation. Today's episode is a recorded webinar. I'm sure y'all are seeing a theme where we do a little bit of both. Our presenter today is Dr. Mary Scaraffa. She is a certified family life and educator. She works at Eastern Kentucky University. And her son, Mr. Kip Wheeler, has joined her for this event as well. Unfortunately, I was so enraptured by the title and content uh, that I forgot to hit record until about her second slide. So we are going to jump right into um, understanding a little bit of their journey as they came to Kentucky um, and as Kip identified as a transgender individual. The title of this event is Understanding and Supporting Gender Diverse Children, Youth, and Their Families. Uh, This could be sensitive content for folks, so we want to make sure that you understand that, yes, there's folks with lived experience on this as well, um, and there will be some deep dive into conversations that do touch on suicide and other things like that. So um, we don't dwell in those spaces long, but um, this is definitely an educational webinar that we hope you will enjoy um, understanding some of our peers that we work with, live with, um, and hang out with and advocate for. So uh, I, with no further ado, we are going to jump directly into the presentation, and Dr. Scaraffa will be talking. Thanks so much, everyone. To other people who are on this journey. So this is really um, more about our lived experiences. Of course, if you have any questions, um, we're happy to answer them. You can put them in the chat, and, and I did tell uh, Marcy, that she can interrupt us with some questions, and we're happy to to help you in um, learning more about our journey and what other families m- may be experiencing. So our journey did start in Kentucky. So this is why we have a picture here. We originally we lived in Louisiana prior to coming to Kentucky, and so I always say our journey started. It, it really started in Louisiana, but. We were made aware of of this journey um, when we moved to Kentucky because um, that is when Kip um, came out to us. Is when we in seventh grade when Kip we moved when Kip uh, was in sixth grade and so Kip came out to us in seventh grade and so this is why we kind of think that our journey um, of awareness began at this time. But of course, in hindsight, there's there's things that we know that our journey began much sooner than that. So some session goals for today is at the end of the session, participants will be able to describe the difference between biological sex, sexual orientation, and gender expression. Participants will be able to understand how using preferred names and pronouns decreases suicide rates. We'll give you some tips so you can implement these tips on how to make a child or youth feel safe. We'll help you in understanding family concerns and fears. And hopefully we'll, we're, well, we will give you some resources and then hopefully you'll be able to recognize some other resources on your own and be able to find some resources for children and families. So I'd like to start off by showing this slide because we hear, it just seems like we hear a lot these days about, um, oh, kids these days and why are they dressing this way and why do they wanna wear this? And, um, and so I just giggle because I'm a Gen Xer and shout out to the rest of the Gen Xers. I know that sometimes we're not seen. I see you. Um, but I always giggle because, and Kip and I have had this conversation, that when I grew up, um, we had these individuals, right? Um, we had in the 80s, um, so somewhat late 70s, but also 80s and 90s, we had people like Prince, and we had Boy George, and we had Annie Lennox, who were um, what we would now 
probably call gender fluid, right? Or gender diverse. We didn't call them that um, back in the 70s, 80s and 90s. But looking back on it, that there have always been individuals who have expressed um, themselves in a variety of ways. And so this is not necessarily something new to Gen Z. So this next slide, um, I can't take credit for it. So at the bottom, there is um, a resource, but you can also just Google if you wanted to find it. You can Google the gingerbread person, or you could Google, um, there is also the, there's a unicorn. There's many different versions of this. I like using this because it does help to, to um, visually represent um, what is happening and, and how we can explain gender identity, gender expression, biological sex, and sexual orientation. And so it is on a continuum. All four of these things are on a continuum. And so um, let's start with gender identity. So gender identity, you can see here on the gender-bred person, it's more of the mind, right? It's more of um, how what's in your head and how you think about yourself. And it's the chemistry that composes you. And so again, on a continuum, so on one side you have woman, the other side you have man, and then you have the identities in between um, along that continuum. The next is gender expression. And so gender expression is um, how you represent yourself. So the expression of how you demonstrate your gender based on traditional roles. So this is often the way you act, the way you dress, the way you behave, the way you interact. And so gender expression, um, again, is on a continuum with feminine on one side, masculine on the other, and androgynous um, in the middle and many expressions in between. Next is biological sex. And biological sex is um, refers to your your measurable organs, your hormones, your chromosomes, right? Again, on a continuum, female on one side, male on the other, intersex in the middle, and um, the individuals, you know, along the continuum. Last is sexual orientation, which is more of what's in your heart. So sexual orientation is who you are physically, spiritually, and emotionally attracted to. Along this continuum, on one side, you have heterosexual, the other side, homosexual, bisexual in the middle, and then many orientations um, along the continuum. And so it's important to, to start to understand these things because the more we know, again, this is from my generation, the more, <laughs> there was these commercials, the more you know. Um, but, but the more you know, then the more you can, can have this understanding and um, start to ask questions, right? Maybe a little bit more specific questions to help you then learn more. Um, as a professor and as a researcher, I always say, um, you know, if you can generate more questions, that's a good thing, right? It just means you're constantly learning and you're willing to learn. What we also need to know is that gender identity, sexual orientation, and gender expression are different spectra, just as illustrated in the genderbred person. You also, we also need to keep in mind that not all trans folks identify as male or female. We also need to understand that trans folks have all sorts of gender identities and gender expressions outside the gender binary. And trans folks can have many different sexual orientations. Kevin, I've done this presentation before. 
many times we say that um, the LGBTQIAA+, the T is somewhat different than the other letters. And so that's one of the reasons why we do this presentation is one, to talk about how the T is different than the other letters, um, but also then so people can understand our journey and can, can glean more information. So I'm not really sure um, your level of knowledge, the audience's level of knowledge. So I'll go through these definitions really quickly. But there was a resource that I did provide, and Marcy said she was going, going to send it to the participants. And it does have um, definitions and, and um, a glossary of terms. So gender is the state of being male or female, and typically regarding to social constructs rather than physical attributes. And transgender refers to someone who does not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. Cisgender refers to someone who identifies with the gender they were assigned at birth. And non-binary refers to someone who does not identify as exclusively male or female. Then we have gender fluid, which refers to someone whose gender identity changes over time from one end of the spectrum to the other. We also have gender queer, which refers to someone whose gender identity falls on the spectrum between male and female. I do wanna point out that even though I'm giving you these definitions, there are many, many, more identities and expressions and sexual orientations. And so this is just a small sampling. So this is just uh, a little bit. So a gender is a person who sees themselves as not having a gender. And some agender um, identified people see themselves as being more gender neutral rather than having any gender, but in any case do not identify with a gender. And then there's the term gender expansive, which is really an umbrella term used for individuals who broaden their own cultures, a commonly held definition of gender, including expectations for its expressions, identities, roles, and or perceived gender norms. I do also want to say for some generations, this word queer, right, was used in a negative way as a slur, but the um, LGBTQIAA plus community has, uh, re has reclaimed it. You want to talk about it? No. They've reclaimed it. I wouldn't say it's not considered a slur anymore because I still think it, it, it depends on how you use it. Yeah, I think it does depend on and I think it depends on your generation and how uh, your generation feels about that word and how or just how you personally feel about that word. Right. And the context for which you're using it in. I personally would not call a person queer or genderqueer unless they have identified themselves that way. It's but very I, similar to the way a lot of mental health folks feel about either person first language or not and things like that. It's always about respecting someone else's choices, right? That's what it really comes down to. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. All right. Okay. So on the term transgender, you have the word transgender, which is kind of an umbrella term for all the other things that go into it. So in transgender and the big one off to the, the left, you can see where it has binary and non-binary umbrellas also under it. So in the binary, you have the trans man, which I am because I was born female. Now I'm a guy. So trans man and then trans woman would be someone who is the opposite of me, who was born male and is now female. 
And then under the non-binary, you have all the uh, gender fluid, bi-gender, agender, neuros, uh, demi-girl, demi-boy, queer. Mom went over all of those except for demi-boy and demi-girl. So demi-boy is um, whenever on that on that spectrum, whenever you're more on the masculine side of the gender spectrum or demigirl is whenever you're on the more feminine side of that spectrum. And then under the non-binary transgender one umbrella, you have androgynous. Some people they'll just identify as androgynous and that's um, whenever they don't really like looking or identifying with male or female and they'll kind of dress more in the middle or or they'll use like they them pronouns things like that gender non-conforming that's also kind of whenever they just they don't feel male or female and they will mix it up and dress how they want and they don't the which is also like gender fluid yeah, right kind of except for gen gender fluid people for, from from my understanding, from talking to gender fluid people, it's kind of the day or their mood of how how they want to be seen today, how they feel today. Do they feel more masculine today? Do they feel more feminine today? Do they feel more androgynous today? So I like this um, visual because sometimes when we start to think about these identities, um, I really like that we can see what goes under the transgender, although I'm not trying to pigeonhole anybody, but I, th I think that it just is a really nice visual to see um, where these terms fall under transgender. And, and um, I know a lot of people have asked me about the non-binary term and what exactly does that mean and how is that different? Um, and so that's why I like to share these visuals with individuals. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was gender grammar. And so um, this is a great resource if you wanted to screenshot this or if you wanted to write down um, this source down here. We do need to think about the words that we're using. And I know there's the old adage, right? Sticks and stones. But we do know that words do have power and we do know that words are important. And as Marcy just said, right? The people first language is really important. And so being aware of how you're saying things and what you're saying, and maybe even you might be using terms that are uh, no longer used, that are outdated, um, like transvestite, right? That's an outdated term that's not used. And so just being aware of that and, and how you are using words. And so this is a really nice chart because it does talk about that, right? Trans transgendered is an adjective and so that um, or using transgendered as a verb and that's a problem with that right and so being aware of the language that you are using so why why should we use appropriate terminology and mm -hmm. and people have asked us this a lot you know like there's a lot of identities and there's a lot of terms and there's a lot of things that we need to be aware of and so why is that important well, one, it does foster an atmosphere of respect and it does demonstrate this understanding and caring that we have, right? Like I've gone out to research to find out what is some problematic language so that to show you that 
I am concerned about that. I'm concerned about the words I'm using and how I'm using them. Um, it also results in a friendlier environment. It also creates a safer, more inclusive environment. And what we know is that when an individual's identity is accepted, then their sense of self is increased. And that's with any individual. And when any individual's identity is accepted, then that does increase their, their sense of self. So why is support important? And so um, in 2017 is when the American Academy of Pediatrics released this statement or similar versions of this statement. There is also this policy statement for, in, for 2018. So it is a um, from the American Academy of Pediatrics and it is just their, their policy statement on how to ensure comprehensive care and support for transgender and gender diverse children and adolescents. And so it, it does cover um, why they're doing it and it does cover definitions like we've just discussed. It, discuss, it discusses other definitions, but then it also does have this section on mental health implications. And it does then go into gender affirming care and what that means and what the American Academy of pediatrics says is best practices. So the, the statement in 2017 said, as pediatricians, we know that transgender children fare much better when they feel supported by their family, school, and the larger community. Shaming children based on their gender identity or expression is harmful to their social emotional health and may have lifelong consequences. This includes public discourse that delegitimizes the contribution that transgender individuals make to society. And so I just find this a very, very powerful statement by a group that is respected, um, by a group of, of pediatricians who understand the importance of having this recognition of individuals and having them feel supported. Like I tell my students, right? You gotta have those valid and reliable resources and, and this is definitely one of them. So what's in a name or what's in a personal pronoun? So William Shakespeare says, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. You know, that's from the Romeo and Juliet play. Um, and so, you know, this is really important. And this is what on our journey, this is what I have found to be very much a hot spot for a lot of families is a name. And so, um, so, Kip chose his name and we did have it legally changed um, before he went into high school because we felt like we needed to have it on record in um, high school so that the rosters would have his um, chosen name. And so it is a very much a hot spot for families. Um, I hear, um, I am in Facebook groups with, with family, with other families and um, there's a lot of discussion about the name and families, um, you know, parents say it took us a long time to come up with this name or we chose this name because it had a lot of meaning to us or we chose this name because it honored somebody else in our family. So it is a hot spot for families when a child comes and says, you know, I know you gave me this name, but this is what I wanna be called. And so for, for a lot of parents, that's it's really, really hard, right? Because they 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 um, spent time or, or really agonized over, you know, the name for the baby. In your world, it's called dead name. You want to yeah. explain why? Uh, 
it's a dead name because the person that was associated with that name is no longer there so like my birth name um the person who was associated no longer roams this world physically yes but like in you don't feel aspect, like that's who you yeah, are in aspects of who i am that's not who i am anymore that's not me that's not the real me right and so so for families a lot of times we prefer it to be called birth name because we don't necessarily like to think about our child being dead but there is this um in the two different worlds it is really interesting right because in your world they do call it dead name and it's not a, a big deal mm -hmm. but for families that that term can be really hard to accept so for families um we'll often say birth name i think that's that's something important to know and again just thinking about who you're speaking with and who you're working with because families don't necessarily like that term dead name um, and again this can be a big hot spot uh, for families is just the name were we hurt um my husband and i i mean yes we we spent some time on choosing kip's birth name um but we also felt like as, as someone had explained it which i thought was an interesting analogy you know it's a gift the name is a gift that you give to your child and sometimes you get a gift and you don't really like it and so you know you might not use that gift <laughs> or you might return it right if this if they gave you a receipt or you've gone to somebody else because somebody else and so it's a gift and so um kip just wasn't um it wasn't necessarily a gift that that he felt suited him I love that. And Shannon adds in the chat, she's a parent. She's, it's a struggle with letting our kids exercise their autonomy. She says, this is just part of the parenting journey though. Like hair and clothes is an expression of stepping into their true self. Thought you'd like to hear that. Yes, absolutely. Great. Thank you, Shannon. Yes. Um, I'm then, sorry, Shannon, they, them pronouns. My apologies. Um, the other thing is um, pronouns, is those pro is personal pronouns. And so, um, yes, they can be used in the singular form. I have um, asked this question to several English professors at EKU, and they've the English professors have said yep. they has been used in the singular form, you know, for many centuries. You know, it, it it's in literature. You know, this kind of thing, and so it can't. They can be used in the singular form. Um, the English professors have also told me that they have, and and within um, the world of literature in English, other uh, pronouns have been um, making an appearance. Um, so Z or Z um, have also been um, in the world of literature in English. And so um, I find that interesting that it is making its way in it. Well, it has been. They've told me it, it's been there for a while, um, even though the rest of us might take a little while to to get that. But um, it is important. And I know we used to say, what are your preferred pronouns? And again, this has evolved and changed. So now we just ask people their pronouns rather than preferred. <laughs> we just ask people, all right, what are your pronouns instead of preferred pronouns? So this question comes up a lot is uh, people will say, I have a hard time remembering their pronouns, um, remembering their preferred name. For me personally, Kip would correct me a lot. <laughs> every once in a while, I still do. Say your birth name. Mm -mm. Every, mm -mm. every once in a while, I'll still um, 
slip up and, and use the incorrect pronouns. Um, and um, give her the death glare. <laughs> yes, he does give me the death glare. And I just did it, right? I just mispronounced one. I wasn't even consciously using pronouns. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think what helped me as a parent was I would use Kip. So I would say uh, to our to Kip's sister, I would say, hey, go get Kip for dinner. Uh, Kip mm -hmm. needs to join us. Or, you know, um, has anybody seen Kip rather than saying, has anybody seen him? And so that that was just for me what helped me. Um, Kip's sister got it, <laughs> got it right away and had no problem. And she would also correct us. The, the advice about that is if somebody corrects you, just say thank you and move and, and move on. Um, Don't make it a big deal. Don't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Just thank you. Okay. Right. And don't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm learning. Bear with yeah. me. Just, because then it makes it about you as opposed to them. So you just say, thank you for correcting me. And then, you know, move on. Um, and then that way it's not about your journey, right? It's, it's, you're there still being supportive of them. So this is my favorite slide um, of our presentation. And definitely, I think you should take a screenshot if you're taking screenshots. And if you are looking for um, resources, this is definitely one down here. Um, again, those valid resources. Um, so using a transgender youth's chosen name at work, at school, with friends, and at home, it reduces um, depression symptoms by 71%. I'm going to say that again. Using a transgender youth's chosen name at work, at school, with friends, and at home reduces depression symptoms by 71%. It reduces thoughts of suicide by 34%, and it reduces suicide attempts by 65%. Wow. And so, yes, as a parent, I saw Kip depressed. Yes, he had thoughts of suicide. Um, there was a suicide attempt. And so, you know, on my side, thinking using your chosen name, Kip, instead of your birth name, and using your prefer your pronouns. If I can do that to help reduce those depressions, lots of suicides and suicide attempts, then of course I'm going to do that. Um, and the, when you look at how hard it is to use a different name or to use a different pronoun, it's really not that hard, especially when you're getting this kind of results. I think that's really, really important. And, and so that's why I try to show this slide, try to share this slide, try to talk about this slide, you know, with school administrators, with teachers, um, with, with, with future teachers, you know, and, and really try to gather allies and, and, you know, help them understand that it's so important, um, that this is important to good mental health, but it's also important to suicide prevention. Your turn. Okay. In my journey as coming out as trans and being who I really am, um, I've gone through a lot. Um, I came out in seventh grade. Uh, it was Thanksgiving whenever I came out to them. The school, the, the middle school that I went to whenever I came out, they were very accepting in trying to help and trying to make everything more comfortable. For me, I'd say, uh, for like bathrooms, I didn't go into the male or female bathroom. I went to the nurse's bathroom every single time that I had to go to the bathroom. 
I know some people who um, they'll just go into the bathroom that they feel like they belong in, but I didn't feel comfortable in either of the bathrooms because if I went into the male bathroom, I don't know who's going to be in there. I don't know if the guys that don't like me are going to be in there. If I go into the female bathroom, I don't know if the girls that don't like me are going to be in there. So just going to the nurse's bathroom, so much easier. Um, the nurse didn't ask me any questions. Every time that I came, I just looked at her, said, hey, got to use the bathroom. She was like, okay, go for it. I got, along with that, I got a doctor's note um, saying that between classes, I had an extended, a little, a little bit more time between classes to where if I had to go use the bathroom, because the nurse's office at the very front of the school, so I had a little bit of it extended to where I could get to the bathroom, get back to class. Um, it's not like I'm lollygagging, not, not like I was lollygagging in the hallways, just going, coming back. Um, in high school, the, the nurse there, actually, she didn't really like me all that much, which was kind of bad, but um, I, I powered through it. Um, what types of bullying? Um, a lot of name calling or people who just refuse to use any name or the name that you want, the pronouns that you want. So I know guys that um, still, if they'll see me out in public and they actually recognize who I am, they'll give me a mean look, they'll give me a dirty look. And um, don't I just don't want to mess with them. Like in high school, I would hear names like in the hallway, just anywhere, everywhere, in in the classroom, sometimes in front of the teacher. The teacher wouldn't say anything, though. Well, some of them. Some of them did. Others didn't. Like say anything to stop the name calling or say? Yeah, some, some, of, the, some of the teachers, they would call the children or the other students out, and they'd be like, hey, you can't say that. And then others other teachers, they wouldn't address it. They wouldn't say anything to the child or the student. And, um, or there was one teacher who actually laughed along with them. And then in middle school, you had one substitute teacher who refused to call you by your chosen name. And you went to the school counselor. Oh, yeah. Um, so no, she wasn't a sub. Oh. It was my, uh, it was, so I only had her for like 20 minutes every, or every like Monday. No, it was every day. Only had her for like 20 minutes every day because I went in eighth grade, I went to the high school to do advanced algebra. So whenever I got back to the middle school, um, I had her for the 20 minutes before class change for the middle school. And um, she, she um, as she was doing the roster the first day, she said, if y'all have a name that y'all go by, just let me know and I'll say that name instead of whatever's on the roster. So there was like two guys ahead of me and they said, yeah, I go by my middle name. Just call me by my middle name. So whenever it was my turn, I said, yeah, I go by Kip. And she was like, it's, is that your middle name? I said, no. She said, I'm not going to be able to remember it then. I'm not calling you it. So I went to the, uh, the school counselor and I said, hey, she said she's not going to call me by my name, even though she's going to call these other guys by their names. And he was like, I'll go talk to her. So then he talked to her and she she started using my name. Children or students, if they don't 
know who to reach out to whenever they uh, encounter a problem or bullying or harassment or whatever. We always try and find at least one teacher or one person who we know will be on our side and who we can go to and who will help. Kip had a school counselor and a school principal who in middle school who were very the librarian librarian were very supportive and then in high school we found the family youth resource coordinator who was very um he he was very much an ally um so is there any advice so what do you want adults like adults who are working with adolescents um use their name use their pronouns um if you see anyone who doesn't want to if you see any other colleagues or any other or students who don't want to call the child by their name or their pronouns just remind them that they don't have to accept it they don't have to believe it they just have to be respectful that's that's all we ask is be respectful by uh even like uh teachers they say call me mr so-and-so so like mom wants to be called dr scarafa I'm not going to walk up to her and be like, hey, Mary, in the middle of class. If I didn't, if I didn't know mom and I was one of her students, I wouldn't walk up to her and be like, hey, Mary, can you, can you help me? No, I'm going to, Dr. Scarafa, can you please help me? It's just in the respect. That's all we ask. All right. So this is kind of what we've gleaned about working with LGBTQIA+, um, children or youth, is um, one, you need to really, um, the adult should be aware of self-harm and, and if there are thoughts of self-harm or if there is self-harm happening. Trevor Project, if you're not familiar with it, they also have really, really great resources, but there's more than 1.8 million LGBTQ youth um, ages 13 to 24 who contemplate um, a suicide attempt, who contemplate a suicide attempt each year in the U.S. And so that's, that's a lot. And what we know is that um, among the those LGBTQ youth, the T, the transgender youth haven't, have the most suicide attempts from that group. And rates. And rates, yeah, the suicide attempts. We also want to identify children's stressors, right? So the stigma, the, the discrimination, the bullying, or a perception of bias. Know what's happening within the child's school. Um, another really great resource is the trans students' rights. And um, within their studies, they found that 31% of trans children are harassed or bullied by teachers or staff. And so, um, you know, a lot of times when we think of bullying, we think students to students, but um, it does happen um, by teachers or staff who are bullying children. We also want to identify if the child has disclosed their identity to others, and definitely um, we should not disclose identity to others. Um, that's something we don't want to out anybody. Right? Try and understand and seek out education for yourself. Um, you know, as much as you know, Kip is is willing to share his journey and to talk about his journey, um, which is great. But also, um, you want you want people to to do a little bit of research. Yeah. On their own, right? And yeah, not so, rely on you for all the answers, I'm, right? I'm not a dictionary. Well, and, <laughs> and as you as we've also said, if you've met one trans I said that today. We'll say it. Okay. If you've met one transgender person, you've met one transgender person. We're not all the same. 
Right. And so your journey is different than other people's journey. And I think you, you often say one of the things that makes your journey different is that you have supportive families and Kip has many friends who don't have supportive families. And so their journey is very different than Kip's. Um, seek out a mentor, a role model for the child, affirm leadership of LGBTQIAA plus youth. Uh, don't assume, you know, ask questions, know the terminology, also know that terminology is changing. And so be aware of what's current and avoid bias opinions. Don't assume that the child is gay or lesbian just because they are um, transgender or non-binary or gender fluid. Don't assume that a trans child wants to be the total opposite of the biological sex that they were born. Um, you can suggest ally groups and schools in the community. You can try creating a new support group or programs. Um, do not give up if the child does not confide in you or doesn't use any resources you referred. I know that- um, so it's frustrating. What's frustrating? If they don't want to use what you've given them, I've seen your frustration. Yes, I do get frustrated. So for example, well, and I gave you the Trevor Project mm -hmm. and I told you that you could text them, mm -hmm. but you did not feel comfortable doing that. And you don't have to share why, but you were just like, yeah. And so, yes, I would get frustrated <laughs> because- I think we all have that though in mental health, right? There's always things we give resources, we try to help and then- Someone doesn't have the ability or the capacity to, to follow up. And it does get frustrating, but it's definitely not a unique to this space, honestly. And I think that's important to underline or I wouldn't have interrupted, but you know, right. it's similar to the way we deal with, you know, the person with schizophrenia who's having active voices that doesn't want to go get help, right? It's that same frustration. And I think that's, that's good to, for us all to recognize it's there, acknowledge it, and then get through it, right? Because our, per, our person that we're supporting is more important. Right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then also continue to work to keep the child connected by the community, uh, to the community, even if it's just social media, because strong connections to community is important to resilience. Um, I know for, um, COVID, I know that, um, I think Kip had a little bit better experience during COVID because you were home. Yeah. And so you were not at school with bullies and because you had supportive uh, supportive family mm -hmm. it was a better environment but we know that for many students I know at EKU we had students who stayed on campus um, because it was not safe um, to at home and so we know that uh, for COVID there was many LGBTQIA plus youth who were at home in a space that was not safe so even if they could make those connections and so social media that was a lifeline and was very helpful for them. And I'm not saying social, social media hasn't been a lifeline for you. I'm just saying that for some, it's, it's, um, it is really important. All right. I do have a video. And so um, you'll just bear with us while I get it here. Were there any questions, Marcy, that came up that we can there's an additional resource, inreach.org is the first tech platform to match LGBT people facing discrimination and per persecution with safe, verified resources. So some safe places, something to add to our list of resources. Okay, great. Lots of love for the Trevor Project happening in there. <laughs> so, yeah, and I love their quick escape. You hit the escape button, everything in their website disappears if you're on there, so... If oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. That's a, a great resource right there that, you know, it doesn't leave anything in your browser and all of that kind of stuff. So they have a lot of 
of security, which is great. Hey, there we go. You got it. So Marcy, definitely let me know if there's no sound. And we just couldn't figure out why. You know, you start to doubt yourself as a parent. Like, what's wrong with me? What am I not doing right? And you also feel very helpless because as a mom, I want to help my child. It always felt like he was fighting something, fighting life, fighting, fighting, never quite able to fit in. He was bullied. He was rejected. He was marginalized. We were diagnosed with Asperger's, OCD, ADD, PDD. Opposite, yeah, opposition disorder. Behavior disorder. I mean, we went through the whole gamut and nothing, I mean, there was a little bit in every one of those that we kind of went, maybe. All right. Well, I, I, I tried. I'm just not a very good tech person. I'm guessing the paywall has something to do with it, that it, you have to be a provider or some uh, public library or a professor. And I'm wondering if that's, yeah, maybe. that's it's DRM it means it's, it won't let us share it, but I can put this in. Um, I put the link to it in the chat. Okay, great. I just want to follow through. Um, if you're on a college campus, you should be able to get in. Um, and I'll try to find some public library access for everybody. Yeah, and, and I think you can also buy it, you know, if you want to sh- publicly show it or things like that. But in it's it's a video of several families. So Kip said to, sh- to sum up. So it's a video of several families who are just um, sharing their experiences, just like we have done, um, of what they have gone through in their journey. Um, the families range from children having preschool age to having middle school age children. Um, but it is um, really just um, all of these things that I'm gonna share on this um, next slide here that um, that we hear over and over again from, from families is we hear that, uh, right, so families will hear things like, and so the families in the video just reiterate all of these things that um, people tell them it's a phase, right? It's just a phase your child's going through um, you know, so don't worry about it, or you should tell them not to do that or things like that. What we know and what I've been told, and so if, if you want to just take this from this uh, webinar and nothing else, is if the child is insistent, consistent, and persistent, insistent, consistent, and persistent, then it's not a phase, right? And so that's that's really important uh, for families to, to start to understand that. Also, parents hear things like, I'm just indulging your, you know, you're just indulging your child. You know, this this is just a childhood whim. You know, stop indulging them. Um, you know, your boy wants to wear dresses. Ugh, don't let him. You know, that's just something that, you know, you're just giving in to them. So um, so a lot of times parent, parents feel that blame, right, that they're giving in to their child and, and they're letting the child do whatever they want. Um, we've already talked about the concerns that parents have regarding name changes. Also, parents have um, a hard time saying goodbye to the child that they knew and the memories that they had together. Um, and Kip and I did have this conversation about photographs, right? So photographs that we have, um, Christmas photos and family photos and school photos that we have um, that I would display around the house before Kip transitioned. And Kip has said, it's okay to have them in your bedroom, but I don't really want them around the house where, you know, I walk by and kind of see them. Um, And so, you know, that's hard for families, right? It's hard because 
you know, I, I want to see my baby. I want to see, I want to remember that Easter. I want to remember, and I want to have those photos out or look in the photo book or talk, you know, um, and, and share that. Um, but, but it's also, again, being respectful of you and thinking about what you're going through and what happens when you see those photos, right? And so I need to understand that as a parent, but also as a parent, it's hard to say goodbye to that child. Um, families often hear um, from other family members, right? Like, I'm not going to accept your child. I'm not going to use that name. That's not who they are. That's not how I know them. Um, they'll get birthday cards with the birth name on it. They'll get, um, I, I've heard families, Christmas. Christmas gifts, right? With the, um, that are gendered to the opposite gender. Um, I've heard families that get books that about, you know, helping your child, you know, not, not supportive books, but here may, you know, like a family member sends a book and says, maybe you should read this to, but it's not a supportive kind of book. So, um, so it's hard for families because you're not being accepted by your family members and your child's not being accepted by your family members you're not, sometimes your peers don't accept you, right? Friends that you've had, people that you've gone to church with, um, you start to be isolated from those uh, social support systems that you once had. From society, you hear that it's not okay, and this is not how it's supposed to be, and these are the social norms, right? So you must be a bad parent because you're not, you're not um, conforming to society and what they say should be done. We talked about the bathroom safety, and parents do have concerns about the bathroom safety. I know one of the things that was eye-opening for me um, was when we traveled, um, my, my family's from Texas, and when we traveled back to Texas, Kip would use, we would stop at a, at a, gas at a gas station, and Kip would go into the men's bathroom, and I would, I would be scared. I would be scared, and what did you tell me? No one knows me here. They don't know who I am. They don't have anything to do with me. They just think I'm another guy going into the bathroom. If it's at school, they all know me there. They all know who I am. So, so you were more worried at school mm -hmm. about about using the bathroom, mm -hmm. and I was more worried, right? And so I I had it wrong, right? Wearing non gender conforming clothes in public. So there's a lot of families that okay, okay, you can wear that here, but when we go out, right, you can't wear that. Or, you know, or when we go to so-and-so's wedding, you can't wear that. Or, you know, go to grandma's house. Or when you go to grandma's house, you know, you can't wear that. Um, and so, um, you know, they're worried. They're worried about their children, um, again, not being accepted by family members, not being accepted by peers or society. Um, there's a lot of discussion around the conflict with religious beliefs. You know, I've always been told this. I've always grew up learning this. These are my values. So how do I reconcile what uh, my religion says or has told me versus, you know, what I know, right? <laughs> like I, I know that this is what's best for my child and, and what they're saying. And I believe that my child uh, is saying they are who they are. I wanted to go back to bathroom safety for, oh no, uh, never mind. I see it on the list. <laughs> All right. Um, is, chest, is binding the chest safe? I know Kip was binding his chest and, you know, um, not just me, but other parents were worried about that. You know, is that something safe to do? 
um, is that as long as it's done correctly yes as long as it's done correctly but sometimes children won't tell their parents that they're binding sometimes children will do it with ace bandage tape and so um, and they'll wear it longer than they should Um, sometimes there is some constricting of, um, of lungs and that kind of thing and so um so yeah so learning about that right as a parent learning about what is that and and what is safe and how do we go about that and how do we make sure that that the child is you know doing it safely um there's also fears and concerns around so what if we start the transition and the child changes their mind um and a lot of times parents are told that. A lot of times um, parents are told about this story of so-and-so who heard about so-and-so and they started the transition and then they changed their mind. There, There is research out there that it's less than 2% of individuals who, who do change their mind afterwards. Um, and so um, I know our experience has been that Kip has been much happier after transition. Self-harm, there's um, concerns about self-harm and what's happening there and how do you help your child with that? I mean, we can lock up knives, we can lock up medicine, we can, um, you know, we bolted our third floor balcony door. I mean, we did lots of things, but still you, as a parent, you're still concerned about that, right? Like we can't do everything, like we can't um, eliminate everything. Um like one of the things I found out, you know, that that there's just things you don't necessarily think about is um, children taking apart pencil sharpeners and using the razor from inside the pencil sharpener. Um, so, you know, it's, as a parent, you know, just I did my due diligence to lock up all the knives and, and the meds, but, you know, then there's also other things that can be used. Um, eating disorders. Uh, Kip, um, has battled eating disorders. Um, um, and this is connected to the bathroom. So I was going to say it back then. But um, one of the ways that Kip came up with a solution <laughs> regarding the bathroom was he would not eat. Um, and he would not eat because puberty was, um, there was the onset of puberty. And so Kip didn't want um, hips, uh, curved hips and things like that. Um, so we, he was not eating because of that, but then he was also thinking, if I don't eat and I don't drink anything, then I don't have to go to the bathroom during the day at school. And so problem solved until Kip passed out at school several times in one week. And I was called to go pick up Kip from school because he passed out. And then we ended up, you know, going to the neurologist and going to the cardiologist and trying to figure out why is this child passing out, right? And so, um, um, and it had to do with malnutrition, right? And, and Kip thinking, I can handle this myself, right? I, I can figure out, you know, if I don't eat, don't drink, then I, I don't, I won't get hips and I also won't have to go to the bathroom. So that's really, really tough. There's, parents are also, also confused because the parents will say, but you know, they still do things like they still want to paint their nails, um, even though they're telling me they're a boy, but they still want to paint their nails. And I don't understand that. And why do they still sometimes want to wear lacy? You still sometimes wear like lacy. Um, no, I'll wear like short uh, shirts, like crop tops. Um, but like hose kind of thing under your. Oh, I don't wear those anymore. 
okay but you used to and so so yeah so it's like wait a minute i thought and so there's still this confusion prince was wearing them a prince was prince yes he was wearing them kiss paints their fingernails kiss does paint their fingernails (laughs) yes um also what about the insurance there's a lot of questions about the insurance um insurance won't some insurance won't pay for hormone treatment or gender reassignment surgery I think that people don't understand how difficult it is for gender affirming surgery. Um, We, Kip had, we had to have, we went to um, the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. They take it very serious, the gender affirming um, care. And they talked to Kip by himself. They talked to me and my husband by ourselves. They talked to Kip's sister. Mm-hmm. Then they brought us all in the room. <laughs> they talked to all of us. They gave us lots of resources. But they um, really, we talked to the, not only the doctor, but we talked to the psychologist at Children's Cincinnati. And we also talked to the social worker. And so um, it was, I mean, it, it took some time before they, a year. before they, put you on testosterone um they asked for um kip had to see a healthcare professional and had to get a letter from him stating you had to see a counselor or what you had called them mental uh, health professionals yes um for at least a year yeah you had to see them for at least a year or two years prior or going forward right yeah and they had to to say that there was very specific things that that the healthcare that the mental health professional had to have in the letter, and it what it wasn't just yes yes this child has gender dysphoria, give him some testosterone. No, it was, it was yeah it was very much you know the child has gender dysphoria. It is causing depression, depression. anxiety, and um and so it it took a long while and I think within that process you were frustrated Mm -hmm. because you were like just give me that tea just give me that tea and and it was very frustrating for you but there very much was a we we don't know well it it wasn't like we could just walk into the doctor at children's Cincinnati hospital and say hey my child wants some tea and the doctor says okay here's the prescription that's not at all how it works um and then for um gender affirming surgery it was very similar so Mm -hmm. the plastic surgeon had to have a letter from the The doctor the cincinnati doctor but then also had to have a letter from your mental health professional and it wasn't again it wasn't just we walked into the plastic surgeon's office and said hey Hey, sign me up (laughs) right um it was no these are the things that you need and and before he made the decision to move forward with the surgery or not and so everybody takes it very very seriously and it is not um the whim of the parent or the whim of the child or the whim of the doctor let's see and then yeah so the insurance um some insurance as well right some insurance was will some will not so parents have a lot of concern about that and a lot of confusion um about that and also if the insurance declines it what is the repeal the appeal process it, can you appeal it that kind of thing and i want to offer us up as a resource if folks need to navigating the system help it's what we do um it's part of what we and our team of advocates throughout the state do so not just mha kentucky but a whole team of us so if you're needing help with knowing how to appeal and things like that, and knowing that you can appeal, 
Yeah. yeah. A little sales pitch for us, but I think it's important to know where to get help. Right. And I think we are one of those resources. Definitely. Definitely. Um, sometimes it's hard for the parent to accept that their child will be different from other children. Um, sometimes parents will say, I'm just not good at advocating and I, and I want to avoid confrontation. So, you know, I don't want to get into an argument with people or I don't want to have to go and explain myself again. So sometimes parents will just kind of, um, hush, right. And won't do that. And, and honestly, sometimes there was times when I was like, wait a minute, is this behavior just typical for this child, for this tween, for this teen? Like, is this just typical behavior? Um, you know, what we consider normal development for social, emotional, cognitive, physical, or, or is this something different, right? Um, and then there's always a lot of discussions about what will happen on school trips, what will happen at camp. Um, a good friend of ours is a 4-H agent, and she had um, a big conversation with Kip about 4-H camp and and trips and trips that they take and what and she was asking from a professional standpoint you know should we do and how should we handle this and what would you want us to do and so do you want to say uh some some have them in um if they have friends in the program or on the trip that they can room with just have them with that room if they trust those people, if they know those people, just keep them with those people. They'll feel much better and more safe. Right. And sometimes the response though is, we'll just get get you your own room or we'll get or you can stay in the cabin with the adults. Yeah. It makes you feel more isolated. It makes you feel different. It makes you feel like you're not like wanted or welcomed. But from the adult standpoint, they feel like they're helping you, right? They feel like if we mm-hmm. just give you your own room, you're gonna be safe and it's gonna be but from your standpoint you're like I feel isolated mm-hmm. now right I feel alienated mm-hmm. yeah it feels like I'm sick right and so Marcy has given y'all resources for children and families and so I just I love this illustration I know that this is many a times how I felt as a parent that it was all jumbled up and that it was you know um really hard um figuring it out and trying to to navigate the system and so there are resources out there and I'm and I'm glad um mental health of America is one of them right and then I love that you know the taking of those yarn balls and and making the making it make more sense right and and helping um children and families through that process Right. So Marcy, I do have more, but I know that we are already at 110. And so um, I don't know if we, I mean, I'm happy if we want to leave the rest of the time for questions or the next piece is about ally, but, um, but we can also, also just send these out, um, these slides out. So it's, that was a big question that was repeated. I was like, I'm pretty sure we'll share the slides. I know we'll share the videos. So that's excellent information. Anybody have a burning question? Feel free to put it in the chat or you can raise your hand at this point as well. I can, I can stop sharing so we can just. Anything you all are wanting to make sure that we cover today? Giving folks time to process a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> time to type. Right. Yeah, fine. exactly. Time to type, time to formulate the question, right? That always takes a little bit. Um, thank you so much for so far. I've, I've even learned a lot and I thought I knew things, right? So I really appreciate that. Um, we got to thank you so much. Lots of, of people loving this information and 
really needing it. And I'm glad that we have such a hungry audience for that. That's, it proves to me what we already knew. Um, Amalia would like to know how are schools addressing these issues in health education or human sexuality classes, if you're aware of those, either of you. Um, whenever I was in middle school and high school, they didn't, they didn't teach any of it. They didn't go over it. Um, for the actual like sex ed that we had in middle school, it was, okay, boys, step out of the room. We're going to go over female sex ed. Okay, girls, step out of the room. We're going to go over male sex ed. Yeah, and so um, at EKU, we do have the human sexuality and identity class, and that is housed within um, our program, Child and Family Studies. And so we do um, address, of course, it's at the college level. Um, it is a sophomore level class, um, but we do address... Um, identities and and um, sexual orientation, and we do um, we did talk about the history of LGBTQIA+. But human sexuality at the college level is very different than it is at middle school and high school level. And we even in conversations that we've had with our students, you know, we've asked them, you know, what what was it like in high school or junior high or middle school? And it's very much like what Kip said, if if at all, if they, you know, because sometimes um, they their parents signed the slip that said they didn't want them in the class. Um, but a very much, um, from what we understand, a surface level human sexuality content. Framed up more, I think, as health education. So Gary's asking, um, really, what are some resources for balancing the seeming growing concern about youth or families making a mistake about transitioning? He heard the 2% and he heard that. So he's wondering if you have any kind of extra information on, on top of that. Um, well, like I said, I, I know that the um, healthcare providers and mental health providers take it very, very seriously. And so um, I think every step along the way, they were, um, the doctor at Cincinnati in particular was, you know, is this where we want to go? Is this what we want to do? And, and continually still, because mm -hmm. uh, Kip is still under her care, um, continually still. Are you happy? Is it good? Is this how you want to <laughs> look, be, look and live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're continually assessing the situation. As far as like for younger children, the transition is more of the social transition where they're wearing um, clothing that they want to wear. And so, you know, if they choose not to wear that type of clothing anymore, right, then then that's you just buy them different clothing. Um, and so um, younger children, sometimes they also want to go on hormone blockers, um, blockers, they just, I wasn't, I wasn't on them, but um, blockers, they just stop puberty from happening, and I know that some parents will go for that instead of actual hormone replacement therapy, because blockers just block it until the child knows what they want. Yeah, so there is that. And, yeah, and, and Shannon ads are not permanent, the blockers are not permanent, so it can go away if the if the person decides to be different. Right. And and also for testosterone, um, you know, Kip can stop testosterone. And then the the estrogen will just come back. Yeah. But and same for 
testosterone if you start taking estrogen and then you stop taking estrogen the tes- the testosterone will come back and and with anything there's risk right mm-hmm. there's there's risk um, i mean there's even risk with taking aspirin right i'm not trying to minimize please don't think that i'm trying to do that but of course there's there's risk going on testosterone well, it's or- always a balance of risk of the mental health concerns as well as the the physical health ones. You've got to balance those for everything, right? We have to do that when we talk about psychiatric drugs and medication as well. So I think it's in that same space of, you know, we do have data, we have, we have understanding uh, that we didn't have, you know, a decade or two ago, even. I think that's really important to point out as well. There's a lot more medical information out there um, to help people um, if they're willing to look for it. (laughs) Greg, I hope that answered your question. Kip, you talked about how important it is to have an ally in the te- in the teacher administrator area within the school system. Um, are there resources for educators that are being challenged by the legislation that's happening um, that prevents them from openly being an ally? Um, alternatively, how can we assist children who have educators that are being protected by legislation that doesn't require them to use gender affirming language? I know I didn't prep you all for those questions, so it's okay if you can't answer that one. Um, I will say the Department of Education has some some and is working on some more uh, resources here in Kentucky uh, related to our situations, but those are national conversations that are happening. So, Yes, and there are, um, I do have a resource list. It's very similar to the one that Marcy shared with you, but I do have it specific for educators, and there are some for educators on that. Um, but GLSEN, I think, does, um, I know GLSEN does a wonderful job with um, helping educators and getting that information to educators. And if you're not familiar with GLSEN, I highly, highly recommend you become familiar with them. And there is, um, they have a bluegrass chapter who's that is very, very active. And then as far as teachers who don't, like, what if you have teachers who don't, what advice do you have for individuals like if if you have a friend who's in high school and that says my teacher is not going to call me by my name or my pronouns what would you tell them what would you tell your friend what would I tell my friend to well the way that it is now I would say like go tell like the principal or go tell one of the other one go tell a different um person in the school that you trust who could possibly go and talk to them and just be like hey just be respectful so what if what if they say you want to be called this and i have to tell your parents if if the teacher says i know you want to be called kip and i know you want me to use he him pronouns but i have to tell your parents if it's not safe at home then just i just don't please don't contact the parents if it's not safe at home because sometimes if if the parent is going to become abusive or um threatening or something that's just not healthy for the the home life it's just better to not tell the parent and just have at least some place where the child can feel safe would would it be acceptable for the teacher to say, um, when I'm speaking with your parents, I'm going to use your birth name and I'm going to use the pronouns that, that are assigned at birth. But then in the classroom, I'll call you your actual name that you want. Yeah. Okay. 
I know that's still a sticky. Yeah, yeah, it's still a sticky situation. I appreciate the lived experience aspect of that, though, Kip. Thank you for being vulnerable. I know it's not an easy answer or a situation for sure. Um, and for those who are feeling like they're being forced under Senate Bill 150, we'll have more information soon on what options you have available. And I know Kip has, um, Kip will, our house is a safe house. And so Kip will bring friends here and he will disclose to his friends that this is a safe house. And there have been times, well, when Kip was in high school, um, he would bring friends and um then when the parents came to pick them up, Kip would remind me. This is the name, this is the pronoun. Remember, this is the name and this is the pronoun that you need to say mom when you're talking to that parent. And so, um, so- That's important, yeah. Jennifer asks, the child welfare system needs more affirming foster homes. Do you have any suggestions or ideas on how to do targeted recruitment for those homes? Um, there are lots of kids running away, right? Or are being dropped off at places and, and all of that for being- Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So the Kentucky Youth Law Project, if you're not familiar with them, Keith Elston, um, he advocates um, and provides free legal advice for youth. And I know that there have been some instances where a youth, he, he's working, um, I, I know he is, he, we've talked about it, where the youth shelter has to call the parent and tell the parent where the child is. And so Keith is working on that. So if you're not, um, because Keith is saying it's not safe for the child to be at home and the shelter, he's trying to make it so that the shelter is not mandated to call the parent. Um, and well, then I have to call Keith because that's important. <laughs> yeah, I, I know people have been dropped off at like Arbor Youth right outside the door and just dropped off by parents who are, yes, we're done, he, we're not having this. And that's a terrible situation and, and protecting them is really important. Yes, and so he has been working on that and I know he's taken on a couple of cases surrounding surrounding that yeah, and I drop that link in the chat for folks I myself I was on the uh, CASA board the court appointed special advocate board for Madison and Clark County and Kip and I actually did a training just like this for their volunteers um, and talked to the volunteers about um, this same subject and then um, but we have also talked to the executive director for CASA Clark in Madison County, you know, about what else could we do to, to, you know, so I think it's, it's really just, yeah, doing that education and helping uh, the families understand. And I mean, no, it's, it's kind of a difficult situation because it's one, it's hard to recruit foster families to begin with, and then two, to recruit foster families. But I know Keith is also doing some of that work as well um, with Family Youth Law Project. Yep. We have a personal comment from Bridget that of a homophobic checklist is what they call it. Oh. When a specific friend of a child comes to visit, their family is so phobic if they ever found out it would be a problem and their support group be eliminated. So that's really awful, but it's good to know that that's another thing that you can do as a safe household, right? Is have that checklist. What do I do? What do I not say? What do I say? Kind of like you said, Dr. Scraffo, about, you know, certain people coming to your house. This is what they're here. And this is what I do when I talk to them. Yeah. So my big question is, what can allies do? What should we be doing right now, um, especially in these times where there seems to be a lot of conversation um, and misinformation, frankly, out there about all of our LGBTQ folks, but especially our trans family members and gender fluid folks? Yes. Well, this one, this went around. I don't know if it came up on your Facebook feed. I know everybody's algorithm is different, but um, this came up on my algorithm. 
And um, it was a straight man's pickup truck. It went viral um, for supporting pride in rural Oklahoma. And so the person said, um, it doesn't matter what negativity I receive for supporting this. I hope that this can help even the slightest bit to encourage and support at least one person that needs it. I like to show this. It's, if you can't read it, it says, not all country boys are bigots. Happy Pride Month. I like to show this because I, I always say sometimes an ally comes from an unlikely place. And um, the family youth resource coordinator at Kipps High School, when he and I started chatting, he said, you know, he started the, um, GSA. the GSA at the high school. And he said, if you would have told him that he would would have been the one to start the GSA, he would he would have said, absolutely. No, that's not me. It was because of uh, a student who approached him and was sincere and who who found uh, this frisky to be very uh, approachable and willing to listen and felt comfortable around this frisky enough to to disclose his identity and to say, I think we should have a GSA. And so uh, that frisky then took it upon himself and said, absolutely, we need this. And so there is still to this day some pushback on the GSA at the high school, but the frisky still supports it and he still um, has it as a as a club and he still advertises it oh he's passed it on yeah it's missing it. He's okay. runs it. but um but so I always say that you know that you know there are allies out there and again they might just come from an unlikely place and so um if you want to take a screenshot of this this is fine but there is actually a resource I'm sorry I'm a resource person so um it's guide to allyship.com and so the do's are um, do be open to listening, do be aware of your implicit biases, do your research to learn more about history or the struggle in which you are participating, do the inner work to figure out a way to acknowledge how you participate in the oppressive system, do the outer work and figure out how to change the oppressive systems, um, do use your privilege to amplify digitally and in-person historically suppressed voices and do learn how to listen and accept criticism with grace even if it's uncomfortable and do the work every day to learn how to be a better ally then of course there's the don'ts <laughs> I should have flipped it right I should have started with the don'ts and ended with the positive but don't expect to be taught or shown and like you know we said you know Kip's happy to answer questions I'm happy to ask questions but um, answer questions but of course you know um, also do your own work and then do not participate for the gold medal in the oppressive Olympics. <laughs> like you don't need to compare your struggle, right, to marginalized peoples. Um, don't behave as though you know best. I know that I'm still learning. And I mean, every day, even, you know, I have students who teach me all sorts of stuff. And, and I tell my students that all the time that, you know, I just, I, I love Gen Z and I love how <laughs> they, they teach me so much. Um, don't take credit for the labor of those who are marginalized and did the work before you stepped into the picture and don't assume that every member of an underinvested community uh, feels oppressed and so this is just allyship in general I just I should have said that it's just allyship in general for marginalized groups so again you can find more on guide to allyship.com and that's a great resource y'all <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Scroffa. Anybody have any last minute questions? Got just a few minutes. I can entertain a few more, but thank you so much again. I do love that guide to allyship. I do want to apologize folks. I missed the very first 
couple of seconds of the of the thing I hadn't hit record like I should have. So um, we will make sure that we add in that information and get it added to the, the recording. Everyone will receive the recording who registered. It'll also be on our YouTube. So thank you both again for Kip and Dr. Scarafa for being very accessible and available. We really appreciate the opportunity to give that a public resource um, location. So we will be building out a page with more of these resources, including Keith's information and the band conversion therapy group um, that we are a part of. So we will get you all of that information as well in one place uh, within the next couple of weeks. Um, and I want to thank you both and also add one piece of how to help folks right now, that listening piece, just listening and non-judgmentally being there for folks while they see the struggles out there seems to have been the best role I can play. And I think that's some of, some of the allies that's our, our best role right now is to let folks speak out who want to speak out. And if you're able and capable of doing that, we have information on how to advocate in our information as well. Um, but if I, tell me if I'm wrong, is just listening, is that helpful? And and you know, speaking out when somebody's being an, a jerk, right? <laughs> Basic easy stuff. Lots of thank yous coming in. So I will wrap up. Thank you all so much again for your time and effort. Thank you.